This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Second Corinthians 4.18 The Bible says that while we look not, are we there? Okay. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want us to read that verse again. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. How do you look at things which are not seen? It says, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things we can see with our two eyes. Well, I grew up in the north, and in the north they'll say the things you can see with your two korokoro eyes. Right? The things you can see with your optical eyes, they are what? Temporal. That means they are not permanent. Another way to say it is that they are subject to what? Change. He says, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Meaning the things which are not seen have the capacity to last beyond the things you can see with your optical eyes. First Corinthians um, chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 28. The Bible says, verse 28, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 1, 28. The Bible says, and base things of the world. So just to give some clarity, right? Maybe we can start from verse 27. It says, but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised at God chosen, yea, the things which are not to bring to naught, the things which are. Can you use a more recent version? Now, what, what is, say, Paul is saying here is very simple. He's saying that God has chosen the things which we cannot see to bring to zero the things which we can see. So he says here, let me, I'm going to read it in and paraphrase and explain what the King James is saying. He says, the best things of the world and the things which are despised are God chosen. Yea, the things which are not, the things which we cannot see, God has chosen those things to bring to zero the things which are, the things which we can see. Praise the Lord. So there are two kinds of things that Paul is speaking about, both in 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians. He's talking about two kinds of things. The first is the things which we can see. The second is the things what? Which we cannot see. Praise the Lord. And he has made it very clear that the God's modus operandi, the way God operates, is that he uses the things we cannot see to bring to zero, to change the things which we can see. Meaning that there is no situation we can see that cannot change. There is absolutely nothing we can see with our optical eyes that cannot change. If we can see it, it can change. But there is a way God works to change things. 
And he walks through the things which we cannot see. Praise the Lord. Now, just one verse. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. From verse 17. This is talking about the man Abraham. Now, I want you to follow me. The Bible says, as it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and does what? Colored those things which... Verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was what? Spoken, so shall thy seed be. Verse 19. And be not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 17. Okay, but I'm being fully persuaded that that which that what he had promised he was able to perform. Verse 17 again. He says, verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, let me just give you some context here. I'm sure we all know the story, especially I'm sure we all attended good Sunday schools, right? Now, Abraham had no child. God had cut covenant with Abraham and said, through Abraham shall all his seed be called. Now, so Abraham was supposed to be the father of many nations, but he didn't even have one child. And God has spoken to him. Now the Bible says, before him whom he believed, talking about Abraham, even God. That means this is how God works. Who quickened the dead. So when God looks at the situation and the situation looks dead, physically, what would God do? He will call those things which be not. He would go into the realm of the unseen and superimpose what he wants to see on the situation he can see then he will see what he wants to see. Do you understand what I just said? Telling us that there is a way God operates. There is a way God operates. God operates by looking into the realm of the unseen and drawing resources and superimposing them over what we can see. Meaning there is absolutely nothing we can see that cannot change. And you know, when God created us, the Bible tells us, especially when you're born again, it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. It says what? All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible explains to us that we are born of God. Amen. Meaning we can do the things that God can do. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, the Bible says, Be ye therefore imitators of God. That means that... <laughs> It, it is wisdom to look at how God does his things, and all you need to do is to imitate, because you already have the ability to do the same. Amen. So Ephesians 5.1, it says what? Be therefore followers. Some version says imitators. I think that's a new NIV version. Be imitators of God, dear children. Now, if this is how God operates, then how are we supposed to operate? I want you to look at and think about what are the things you can see in your life that you want to change? 
What are the things you can see in your life that you want to change? Anything. And I don't care if people have told you. Well, I care, but what I mean by I don't care is that regardless of how terrible the situation is, whatever people have told you, is it, is, it, is, it, is it something in your finances? Is it something in your body? Is it something in your health? Is it a situation that has become stubborn? You've tried to change it. You've tried to change it. Is it a habit? Is it a character flaw? Whatever it is. I want you to know that there is a way in God to change those things. So all God wants you to do is to imitate him. And how do you do that? By going into the realm that is unseen. And you see, the unseen realm, you must understand, is governed by words. Somebody say words. Words. The unseen realm is governed by what? Words. Because words created the unseen realm. Words will sustain the unseen realm. And words can change anything from the seen and the unseen realm. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1.1 that in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. And verse 2, the earth became without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep and all of that. Then we read about the recreation story. But I want you to understand this. He says that in the beginning, God created what? The heavens. And then he created what? The earth. Now, if you read Genesis chapter 1 all through, and you start Genesis chapter 2, can we read Genesis 2.1? Genesis 2.1. Now, you read something very interesting. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Do you notice that the heavens is in plural? Do you notice it's in plural? So when something is in plural, what does that mean? It's talking about more than something, one thing, right? It's talking about things that are maybe more than one, maybe two, three, four. Now, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begins to talk about a man who went to heaven, and Paul said something. He says that he was caught up to the third heavens. Do you remember? Third heavens. So, well, from scriptures, well, we... Would I be saying, no, I mean, I know from scriptures, there are about three, you could say three layers of heavens, right? So if you read Genesis 1, you read that after God created the heavens and the earth, then you read later on, he's talking about creating the firmament, which would, so I studied geography, so my first degree in the university, so these things are not really foreign to me. So they will tell you in geography that, and Captain D would bear me witness, they will tell you in geography that you have what you call the atmosphere. That is the space just above us. Then they will tell you that there is something called the outer space, which the Bible calls the firmament, right? Then after the firmament, that's where our physical geography ends. They do not know what else <laughs> happens after that realm. But Paul was careful to say the third heavens. He didn't talk about the first, which is the atmospheric. He didn't talk about the second, which is the firmament. He was talking about something that was deeper than the atmosphere and the firmament. He was talking about the spiritual, where God himself dwells. So the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens. Meaning God created the spiritual first. Then he created the earth, which is the physical that we can see. Meaning that <laughs> the spiritual first, then the physical, isn't it? The spiritual first, what? The unseen, would it be safe to say that? Then the sin. Now, 
The realm of the spiritual and the physical was created how? Through what? Words. Because words created both the unseen and the seen. So if there is anything that is supposed to change in the physical, it is by picking words from the unseen and you superimpose them over what you can see. And then you will see a change. It is such a simple formula, but it's a powerful formula. But I want to share just a little bit before I go and sit down. <laughs> now, in, in Romans chapter 4 that we read, the Bible spoke about Abraham not just saying what God said, but there was a way he said what God said. So can you give me 4, chapter 4, verse 20? There was a way he said what God said. So God had already looked at him and said, through your seed shall all the world be blessed. And God had said the words. But this is how Abraham said what God said. And this is very powerful. He says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith doing what? Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. You see, there is nothing as powerful as saying what God has said in thanksgiving. So you are not just saying what God has said, but you are saying it with the attitude and through the wordings of thanksgiving. Say, Father, I thank you because. Father, I thank you because. And you know, on Sunday, Pastor was sharing with us about praise, about thanksgiving. Powerful. I hope throughout the week you've been thanking God and praising God. I hope you've been doing that. Okay, if you've forgotten, you can resume today. <laughs> well, we still have the whole week. We still have tomorrow. We still have Friday. I mean, it's been powerful. And my wife has been doing that, praising and thanking him. You see, it is not enough to say what God has said. You must say it through thanksgiving. That was how Abraham said his own. He says he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So Abraham was, would come out and would look and would say, well, Physically, there might not be any child around. But I'm the father of all nations. Father, I thank you. Because I'm the father of all nations. I'm the father of all nations. He will look at Sarah and call say, well, you are the mother of all nations. And he will say it full of thanksgiving. He will say it full of thanksgiving. He will say it full of thanksgiving. There is nothing that reproduces the miracles of God like making your confessions through thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You see... Someone said, no matter how terrible a situation is, you see, you must understand two things. Number one, that that situation can change. And number two, you must understand that the way to get the situation to change is not to complain to God, but to thank him about what he has said about that situation and put that, those words on your lips consistently, consistently. While the situation might appear stubborn, you can decide to be more stubborn and consistently put the words of God in your mouth in thanksgiving. Father, thank you. Thank you. Because all things are working together for my good. Father, thank you. Because I'm an heir. Thank you. Because I am more than a conqueror. Father, thank you. Because all these things are working for my good. Things will align in my favor. Father, thank you. And you see, as you maintain that attitude of thanksgiving, as you maintain those words of confession, something begins to change in the atmosphere. The angels begin to go to work on your behalf. You see, things begin to get rearranged in your favor. And you see, 
the devil will have no choice but to bow. Can you just lift up your hands and your voice where you are and say, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you because I'm not hopeless. Thank you because I'm not hopeless. Thank you because I'm not hopeless. Thank you because I can do something about every situation. Father, thank you. Thank you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We worship you. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Did you get blessed? Say God bless Pastor Joshua. As if he was on the island yesterday. The same scriptures. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Wow. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He was full of faith. Now look at verse 7 of that Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. We are saying this yesterday and it was not even there. It, it was somewhere. So it missed the service. Romans 4, 17. Verse 17. Hallelujah. As it is written, I am made thee a father of nations before him whom he believe, even God. Who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though one of the things that you have to know about your heavenly father. And like you said in Ephesians 5, 1, that be imitators of God as God's beloved children. Your heavenly father is in the business of calling things or no. It gives life to a dead situation. That's been a quickens. So God breathes on a hopeless situation and gives it hope. God moves around a dead situation and it gives life to it. And how he does it is that he calls the things that be not as though they were. Did you get that? Hallelujah. I need everybody to be alive tonight. Are you with me? Yes, Praise the Lord. So God's method is to call the things that be not. And it should be your method also. But this is something to take you further than what he said. Hallelujah. Calling the things that be not. And it's in the nature of God. But this is deeper. 7 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. I want us to see something there. The same thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> there is a life of God inside every one of you. And what we are looking at tonight is how to cause it to flow. How to direct it to your affairs, to your life. The Bible says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Hallelujah. God did not command light to come out of light. <laughs> are you hearing me tonight? You need to pay attention. God called light out of darkness. So when God saw darkness, he looked at darkness and he said, let light come out. So inside every darkness, there is light. Amen. Inside every sickness, there is health. Amen. So there are two types of people who see things. If you have been trained by God, what you see is not the problem. What you see is the solution inside the problem. So this one happened in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible said the earth was, darkness was upon the face of the day. And God said, he did not even waste time to bind and lose darkness. He just looked at darkness and said, let there be light. Like a person looks at dry pockets and he calls out a million. Is somebody with me? <laughs> and he, he did this. <laughs> I showed them on the island yesterday. He did this. There's always one kind of anointing for teaching on the island. If we were there. 
some of them are here, you know. You start coming to the island every Tuesday. When are you? you know, they, <laughs> Joshua did this. Some people in the Bible, in the Old Testament, they stepped in and they came out. Joshua experienced a bit of this. Remember, he was able to say, Son, stand still. But he did something in, 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 uh, in Joshua chapter 6. When Jericho came down, the wall of Jericho came down. In verse 23, 22, 22, see what Joshua did. Hallelujah. Please pay attention there. This is interesting. So when the war came down, they wanted to save Rahab. Joshua said unto the two men that spied out the country, go into the Harlot's house and bring out the woman. Wait. Go into whose house and bring out what? She was a Harlot. <laughs> when they went in, the Harlot was inside. When she came out, she became a woman. Inside every Harlot, there is a woman. That is why when the Christian meets a lot, we don't blackmail and say you are a prostitute. We call forth the woman that is in them to come out. And prostitution will come to an end. Because we have ability under God, by the Spirit of God, to transform lives. So that is why a Christian cannot condemn anybody. When we see a thief, we call out at a man of integrity. When we see a, someone that consented to the killing of somebody like Paul, instead of asking him to die, you call forth an apostle. If Judas met one of us, his journey would have been a different game. But he met nobody. Somebody would have told Judas that there is therefore now no condemnation. But there, so begin to believe whoever meets you is blessed. Because there are words of life in your mouth. Hallelujah. Remember we read about last week or so that the Bible said that the river coming from the temple. And that everywhere, Ezekiel 47, everywhere the river got to, it healed everything. When it entered other streams, it healed the stream. And the Bible says, everything the river touched was healed because the river came from the temple. But that was the temple in the Old Testament. The river was coming from the eastern part, northern part of the temple. But the Bible says, now you are the temple of God. So the river is the river Jesus was talking about in John 7, 37. Out of your belly shall flow is the same river rivers of living water warming unto eternal that river was in the temple in the old testament in the vision of ezekiel but in new testament that river is in form of the holy spirit inside every christian and it's still flowing healing people everywhere it goes hallelujah that must have been the reason why job said in job 14 if we start from verse 8 he said there is a hope for a tree that falls to the ground even when the root has dried up, at the scent of water, when a family is in chaotic condition, they just need somebody who has the water. Ah. <laughs> it was the water that Jesus gave the woman by the well of Samaria that changed everything. Jesus, first of all, pretended, said, Give me water. And the woman said, hey, Jews don't deal with Samaritan. She started her story, her story of racism. And Jesus said that if you, if you knew who was talking, you would have begged him to give you, there is a river that when you drink, you never test again. When you see somebody who says, I've been to church, I've been to Christ, that I'm the Christianity, I'm not, they, are, they never tasted the river. Maybe they tasted religion. Nobody who has tasted the river will test again. So Jesus said that you will not need to come and draw. And the woman said, I'm, I'm interested in this river. He said, go call your husband. And he said, I have no husband. He said, you are correct. 
Because you have had five. And the one you are with now is not your husband. Probably she's planning to leave that one also. She was a prostitute. In less than one hour, she became the greatest evangelist. She told the whole city about Jesus because somebody gave her eternal water. Amen. You are the temple of the living God and this river is inside you. Be conscious of this. So that's why we don't sing, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy. The right song is to say, you have made me a sanctuary, pure and holy. Somebody will say, am I really pure? When you say it like that, the purity of Christ manifests through you. Because everyone who is called into Christ, he has made provision for that. With thanksgiving, they will say, I be a living. We sang it a lot, the secondary to know. With thanksgiving, I am a living sanctuary. See, songs like that, they do something to your Christianity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up hands and say it again. You have made me a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with us I'm a living sanctuary. I am a living sanctuary for you. You say loud amen to that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Is someone blessed tonight? Yes, sir. When you think like this, you will always live in joy and in peace. You will not live in fear and in confusion. You will not live in fear of the future. And you will not struggle. No fear in the future. That's why I like that hymn, In Christ Alone. He said, No guilt, uh, no guilt in life, and no fear in death. It is true. That's the life of a Christian. No feeling of guilt anywhere, and no fear of life after life or whatever. Hallelujah. Because you have entered the love of the Father. No fear. Praise the Lord. Don't be afraid of future. Who will you marry? Where will you stay? Don't be afraid. The future is in this river that is inside you. Speak it out. Remember, when the spies were sent to promised land, which I've told you before, Moses said, check the land. Whether it's a good land or bad land, whether there are few or many. You remember, he used about five words there, and all of them word and opposite. The promised land, which is your future, is neither good nor bad. It depends on who is looking at it. And you will need the Spirit of God to help you to look through the lenses of God so that you see what God is seeing. Hebrews 11. Hallelujah. Every now and then we call for darkness, we call for light out of darkness. Oh, glory to God. Somebody expected money one day when he checked, he, uh, he went to ATM, you know, those days, they went inside their last, and he just saw nothing. So almost zero balance. And he just began to dance at the ATM. Glory to God. I am blessed. <laughs> he was commanding money out of poverty. And shortly after that, somebody sent an amount he never expected. Hallelujah. If a boy says no to you, 
go buy wedding gown. <laughs> Hallelujah. Few days your wedding, somebody walks away, then go buy the wedding and begin to rejoice because something. Mm. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, faith is the substance of things for and the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2. For by it the elders obtain a good report. I'm going to verse 3. Verse 3. To link it to what he said. Though through faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are, are seen were not made of things. Hi. To make something concrete. You don't need something concrete. Are you getting me? Yes, sir. The greatest capital is not money given to you by uncle. The greatest capital are the words of your mouth. So even God, John 1, in the beginning, all that God had was, there was no physical heaven, no physical earth, no angels, no man, but God had one thing. In the beginning was the word. Brother, if you don't have anything and you have the word, you have everything. For the word is strong enough to manufacture everything. The word of God can get to a wife. The word of God can get to an apartment. The word of God is all that matters. So in the beginning, the Bible said that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. By him, all things were made. And without him was nothing made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. What? Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is why serious attention has to be given to the word of God. It will change how you think. Some will think you are crazy, but when they see the results you are producing, they will understand who is actually crazy. Are, are you following me? That's why you need the word of God. It changes. No, I, I told them yesterday, and that's the truth. You can know all these things in your, you can know them here or here. You cannot operate them except to a man of prayer, and you are constantly looking into the word of God. What I've just shared with you now, in the face of the challenges of life, we disappear in no time except to constantly. Attend. So the Bible didn't say we should just say, my son, attend to my word. Attend means I give attention. Because it takes time for the word of God to take root in a person's heart. But once that happens, nobody can take it away from you again. Once that happens, you can't talk. There is a way. Once it happens, it becomes very difficult to talk in a particular way. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. When we're in secondary school, because we were experimenting all these things. I mean, I, I used to remember people that the time that they were sick, they would only go and play ball. By revelation, not by trying to do a stunt. And they'll be perfectly well. Something changes how you look at things. But the rule is that you must attend to the word. It is the word that transforms. And when that is happening to you, you have the ability to transform people. You go home and there is a bad news from mommy. You want to say something about her. Why is it? But all of a sudden, the spirit checks you that no. Don't say what you see. Say what you want to see. Amen. I will never forget what this very old white man told us. I don't know. I think it was a farmer also. And Jesus appeared to him. Please, everybody listen. And he said, I have said in my word. That he was quoting, Jesus was quoting to him, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, 
believe you receive and you shall have. Believe you receive and you shall have. Then Jesus told him again about the Father. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, that's Mark eleven twenty-three, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. And Jesus emphasized this latter part. He shall have whatsoever he says. Mark eleven twenty-three. He shall have whatsever he says. He shall have whatsoever he says. Then Jesus stood before the man and looked at the man. He said, I told my people, you shall have whatever you say. He said, they keep saying what they have, so they keep having what is. Did you get that? He shall have whatsoever he says. So, if I have one million naira, and I say I have one million naira, I shall have whatsoever I say. So, I have one million naira. If I have one million naira and I, have ten, and I want ten million naira, since the principle say I shall have whatsoever I say, what should I say? If I am sick and I want to be well, what do I say? Remember, the rule is you shall have whatsoever, then start saying what you want to have, not what you already have. Did you get that? Start saying what you want to have. Start saying what you want to have. Start saying what you want to have. It will change your life. Thank you for listening to the teaching of Pastor Shola Oshumakinde. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Towing Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m. While our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.